Off top, during the attack on Pearl Harbor, a guy named Doris Miller. Off top, three, two, one. Off top, during the attack on Pearl Harbor, a guy named Doris Miller, a black man who worked in the mess hall, decided that he needed to get on the gun, start firing from one of the anti-aircraft guns, shooting down multiple Japanese aircrafts and making the attack on Pearl Harbor. Not as bad, even though it was pretty terrible. Anyway, play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. It's hard to go from uh, Pearl Harbor to play the music, but I did it. I'm great. I hmm. can do anything. All right, Charlie. So it's a pro. It's a pro right there. <laughs> no, you just you just barrel right through. I don't know. All right, Charlie. So there are a number of things going on in sports right now. But before we get to that, I think it's important that we let everyone know that there's no roses and thorns at the end. Of, well, actually, I changed my mind. There will be a roses and thorns at the end of this episode. It's going to be uh, me and Charlie talk about our relationship, roses and thorns at the end of this episode. <laughs> Ashley is not going to be at the end of this uh, Roses and Thorns. Don't get nervous, guys. I do not have a major thorn that has caused her to leave the show or leave me. She just got the COVID. It's still out here, everybody. So be careful. Uh, somehow I haven't gotten it. This happened last time she got it. The kids got it. Everybody in the house got it. I didn't get it. I ended up feeling really invincible. And then a couple months later, I went to a little baby concert in Vegas around the draft and I got it there. So hopefully that doesn't happen to me. But the kids are negative now. They're in camp. Ashley is still positive. I've been negative this whole time, but I'm still masking up. But she's not feeling well enough to be a part of this. So that's that. Charlie. My first rose is that you wore a pink shirt in Ashley's honor. And that is just so sweet and thoughtful. (laughs) Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate you pointing out that I obviously, it's a premeditated decision. It wasn't just the same shirt that I had on last my, night. My second rose before. is that you're definitely going to see Barbie for a second time with Ashley this weekend. So Ashley, it's so sad because yeah. she doesn't like going to the movies. Barbie was the one movie that she was excited about going to. She doesn't like, just like she has a very short attention span and she's like, I don't want to sit in a movie. She, she'll watch back-to-back TV shows She'll binge a whole season of something. It's something about the idea of a two-hour commitment. She's not down with that. But this is the one time she's been like yeah. for two weeks now. She's been talking moment. about what outfit she's going to wear, how she was planning to dress all of us, how excited she was to do it. She got the vid uh, and she couldn't go. So I went with um, my oldest daughter because she wanted to see it. And she got an all pink and I wore a fatigue hoodie because I wasn't dressing up. I'm not cool. It's just, again, what was on the floor. (laughs) You're such a jerk. (laughs) Um, For the audience, I'm putting it at minus 110 odds. Dominique, before the podcast, like, I'm not seeing Barbie a second time. It's not going to happen. Minus 110 odds. Dominique is at Barbie. And uh, he won't post on his Instagram. But if you follow Ashley, there will be a story of Dominique wearing a Ken shirt, holding a large popcorn, walking into it. There's absolutely no chance that I'm going to see Barbie again. I saw it once and it was fine. It's not for me. So, like, I didn't think it was a bad movie. I didn't think it was a great movie, but it wasn't for me. I have no desire going to see it again, especially before I see uh, Oppenheimer or Mission Impossible or anything else Mm -hmm. that I haven't seen yet. 
I'm not going to see it. I'll bet. uh, Please. I want in on this action. I'm not going to see it again. It's like I put my foot down on some things while he's trying to swing the odds. (laughs) He's trying to get you more value. (laughs) All right. So in sports right now, before we get to the roses and thorns, you prematurely started dishing out roses and thorns. I got excited. Yeah. Overzealous. I patinaed the first rose. (laughs) I'll give you some options on where you want to start. Okay. So we got. Women's World Cup, we got Mbappe being offered a billion dollars to go to Saudi Arabia. We also got a kind of a sad topic, not kind of a sad topic, a very sad topic is training camp injuries. And it's something that comes up every year around football. Uh, I tore my ACL on the first day of training camp in my second year in Baltimore. So it like feels really terrible uh, when I think about these type of things, but it, it just sucks. And it's not like that in any other Sports. I was going to say any other major American sport, but I'm not sure there's anything, any sport in the world where it's like you come into the season and your roster is so unknown because you're almost guaranteed to lose someone for at least the first few weeks. And it feels like there's always a couple DBs that tear their ACL are done for the season every year of training camp. Important DBs to important teams. I presented this like you were going to have an option, but it seems like I decided we're diving into training camp. I I was going to say, let's start with the American football and move to international football afterwards. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So I moved the sentimentality out of it from my own feeling and like just feeling sad for guys who are obviously uh, excited about opportunity and have a season taken away from them. That aside, it's hard for us to make these season projections and hard for us to think about how good a team is going to be from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, let alone before the season even starts, because injuries are such uh, integral parts, not integral part, but such a omnipresent part of, of NFL football. And so we're all making these projections and it's not always, or as rarely is it the quarterback or big name guy like that. It's normally like, yeah, it's normally an offensive lineman. 
<laughs> it's normally uh, a defensive back. And these are positions that are reliant on each other in such a way that you can have an entire unit crippled because you lose one guy. You lose a tackle and then compensating for that tackle can make it very difficult for us your your um offensive line, which then in turn makes it really impossible for your quarterback. And the same thing is true for defensive backs. You can lose a corner and or lose a safety and it really just breaks apart what happens to your secondary and then there goes your defense and there goes your hopes for the season. So I think it's a fascinating topic about like the fragility of football and the fragility of rosters. But if you don't mind, I would sort of like to start on the micro side and expand out because, okay, you tear your ACL. You had what you had just gotten your second contract. Yep. Can you take us back to like how you were feeling? What like what's going through your mind? Are you thinking, I just thank God I got my second contract? Are you thinking what what's your football mortality? What's going through your mind when you tear your ACL at that point? So I think the statute of limitations has passed and I can be completely honest with you as I was just obviously angry and frustrated was my first reaction. But once I settled down, I did feel a bit of relief because as everyone hears like football is 100% injury rate. And I could have had this happen when I was in college, which impacts everything. I could have had it happen any of the years I was in Denver. I could have had, had it happen the year I was in um, Atlanta. And frankly, it could have happened in the off season when I was playing basketball or when I was uh, one of my teammates in Denver, Champ would take us out ATV riding. And I wasn't at this particular time where, where they went out, but I would go out there and we jump hills and do all types of wild things that young people think that they can do. And we had a D lineman who went over a jump and put his leg down because I guess he was off balance, put his leg down, tore up his ACL. Uh, he, uh, he wasn't a big name guy. He got released shortly thereafter. And I think that was the end of his career. Uh, when I was in Baltimore, I don't know. You probably remember this. Terrell Suggs tore his ACL yeah. playing basketball in the off season. He's a big name. So you heard about it, but it was always something like that happening. When I was in college, I think I told this story before too. Uh, one of my closest friends, he and I went and, uh, he hurt his knee playing basketball at home. And then when he got back to campus, the first thing we did was go out and pretend like we were practicing together because, and, and pretend like he hurt his knee while we were out there getting in some extra work because the fear was he would have a scholarship taken. Uh, they wouldn't cover his uh, rehabilitation and all that stuff if it happened away from football. So I, I back to what I was saying is my initial feeling was anger and frustration. And then I remember clearly on my way down to Dr. Andrews to get my knee uh, reconstructed. I remember feeling like, whew, just like relief, like glad this didn't happen any of those other times because then you don't get to that spot. And maybe my career goes on longer if it doesn't happen. It probably does go on longer if it doesn't happen. But uh, it just felt like that one major most important hurdle was cleared and it it felt terrible. But it also was like just a bit of a relief because it felt like it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen yeah. at some point. At least it happened after I got one like life-changing type of contract and it's yeah it, it still doesn't feel good the the i think the toughest thing about it is 
it's probably different for different positions, but it's definitely different in different um, sports. When you get hurt in football, you're not on the team. When you get yeah. a, a long-term injury, you're not on the team. You don't come to team meetings. You don't go to practice. You you go to rehab while everyone is doing everything else. You you can go on the road trips if you want to. You don't have. I mean, it depends on the player. Some players are not allowed on the road road trips. You just aren't involved. You don't feel like you're on the team. And no matter how much you try to like get involved in like signals, like that's. I remember doing that. I uh, rolled my ankle when I was in Denver and was out for like three weeks one time and. I got very involved in like figuring out the signals to make sure that you can signal from the sideline. So I would feel like I was a part of the team. It still sucks. Cause if you're not out there, you're not out there. You're not a part of the group. What's that do for like the ego of a professional athlete? And I'm, I'm genuinely thinking about this because you probably go from being so important, honestly, your entire life. Cause you're better than everyone at everything. Um, to, hey, we're just going to move practice down 20 yards and keep going. I had friends who played professional baseball and they hurt their shoulders and elbows and GMs would go, well, we'll see you in a year. Rehab yeah. it. Let us know when you're, let us know when you're ready to, to come to spring training. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think more than anything, I had been really involved in the union, so I was not surprised by this. And also, I wasn't a high draft pick, but you and I have talked about this before, that everyone finds out at a certain point that they're a cog in the machine and yeah. they aren't that valuable. And I, by everyone, I mean everyone. And it includes the quarterbacks. That includes the superstars that, that uh, you believe are more than that. But we all find it out at some point. I, I'd yeah. already known it. I'd already been in uh, negotiations where they, uh, call, they talked about us like we were cogs and machines, frankly. And I'd already been uh, at college when I saw my teammates get shipped out because they weren't playing well enough and get their scholarships taken. So like, I, I kind of recognize it already. So it wasn't like a, as big a shock for me, but it still hurt, <laughs> you know, it's still yeah. like, yeah. and it hurts the wrong word. Or I guess it hurts not the wrong word. It hurt, but I wasn't like angry. Like I know the deal. I know that I have no value for them. And I know that every, at least the way it's viewed is every second is so important. Every moment is so important. Every activity we do is so important. I can't help you. And I know I can't help you. And so, like, I, I would feel bad eating up anybody's time. You know, like, that's why you do, when you are out for the season, you do rehab away from the time when the rest of the team does, like, treatment. So everyone's always, there's injuries. So the training room is full with guys getting treatment, getting ice and stem and doing stretches and doing all this other stuff. I'm not there during those times because I can't help you. I'm there during yeah. the off times. I, I When everyone's in the weight room doing the lifting, you can go in there and walk around, but no, the lifting that I have to do, you do it during the off time. So it's just, I mean, it's an isolating feeling. It sucks, but it's not the worst thing in the world, I guess. You know what's really uh, the worst thing in the world? What? Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson got hurt, and I think that impacts how good this team is going to be. Uh, he's a safety, used to be with the Eagles, now he's with the Lions. Yes. Yeah. You know what really sucks for me? I tore my knee up. And they still made the playoffs. I think they got to the conference championship game. And then the following year, I I um, was applying to business school and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you played for the Ravens. They always make the playoffs. Yeah, okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, we made, we made the playoffs. I think we lost in the wild card round the year before to the Colts. And then the year 
um, where I was hurt. That was the year where the Ravens, I don't want to say people's names, but the Ravens receiver dropped a game-winning touchdown pass in the back of the end zone against the the Pats. And then the kicker missed, uh, was that a, a field goal, right? Yeah, a field goal that would have won it for him. And then I came back the next year and wasn't, like, it just didn't feel great. So I hung it up and then started going to business school. Then the following year, they went and won the Super Bowl without me, so... I guess I'm not that valuable. So maybe I need to quit this podcast so that you can you can ride this thing off into the the Rogan sphere. I'm 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 sure of that. The the Dominique Foxworth podcast uh being hosted held back. by Charlie Kravitz. That'd be great. It's being held back by Dominique Foxworth. Uh, That's our, right. Our podcast, I some of the sports podcasts I listen to uh has referenced me in this podcast a few times based on the running back solution that I put out there and it's uh, gratifying and frustrating because there are some people who will take the time to like fully understand it or try to fully understand it. And then there's other people who don't and tend to want to dismiss it. So it's a little frustrating. Like it feels like I want to respond to all of them, but I kind of don't. It's like we laid it out pretty clearly. Right. I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. But here's a to, to all you other podcasters that Dominique listens to. If you invite him onto your show to debate. Oh, I'm there. NFL union talk contracts, how to oh. fix the solutions. Oof. You know, we'll make it a home and home. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. It'll I love talking about that stuff. That stuff is yeah. incredibly interesting, but it's, uh, or I mean, it's interesting and important to me, especially before the season starts. This is the time to do it. Maybe I'll, I've only done that type of, like I'll, I'll do it on my podcast or I'll do it when there's an issue on the TV shows. But I think Ryan Rosillo's the only other person who I think like is in media who really like reads and understands the union stuff and like not yeah. and also appreciates it. So I've gone on his show and talked about it with him uh, in the past. Maybe we'll call up Ryan. I'll go in there and, and crowbar my way onto his show. We need to promote this some more. I mean, that'd be great. First of all, Priscilla's life advice, uh, uh, simpatico crossover for roses and thorns. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll write in, I'll write in for, uh, some life advice, some relationship. Well, I guess Priscilla's not the one to go to. For 5'11", like, 180, <laughs> used to bench 355. Here's my problem. I'm not 180 anymore. I'm like 175 because I stopped eating sugar. Well, not all sugar, but a little bit of sugar. I lost like five pounds. Still sexy, though. You don't want to talk about my body? Taco meat? It's great. Seated abs. We've talked about this. Dominique has seated abs at age 40, which is just a complete <sighs> move. It's a complete <sighs> move. You have to be... If you're... Don't above the age me. of 25 and you can't stand up and lean back to show the outline of some ab and that's the only <laughs> thing you can do you're uh don't blame me you. it's it's god's fault blame her um you on the other hand are a vanilla snack at least that's what they call you so you're okay. gonna try to embarrass okay, me I hate uh, this. every time you do something that annoys me i'll remind everyone that there are tweets out there where people call charlie the vanilla snack this is here's my thorn i've been objectified <laughs> Is that a thorn? You're welcome. Um, can I ask you more about the larger? Sure. Uh, the, let's zoom out on the injuries. Okay. First of all, I think there's training camp is just something that we know exists, and we know it's like essential. Like we saw it last year, Aaron Rodgers didn't do OTAs with the Packers, and he was out of rhythm with the new receivers. And we were like, well, wasn't there the entire time in OTAs? I just wasn't engaged that, anyway, the same proceed. way in training camps. In training camp, but like. What is the value to you of of camp for a team? How important is it? And if these injuries are happen, happening, they feel like an inevitability to me. Yeah. Like you play football, 
you are that big, that strong, that fast, you're, you're cutting at that speed. And then you invite contact in over the course of camp. It's going to happen. So what's the, what are the pros and cons of this sort of system? Cause like we yeah. thought, we thought about from the player's perspective, but why, why is it the way that it is? So, I mean, I think it's, uh, there's an arms race in football. So one of the things we negotiated for during the last CBA was to outlaw two a days. And something that we believe to be unnecessary. We had seen some teams uh, didn't have two days. So the Colts were an example of a team that didn't have two days. They would have two practices a day, but one practice was a walkthrough during the Peyton Manning era. So we were like, see, it can be done without that. So by arms race, I mean. Just have the third best quarterback ever. Yeah, but either either way, no one around him was failing. Yeah. So it was yeah. like we'd all been playing a lot of football our entire lives. And we did not need two days. And a lot of two days is about injury prevention or a lot of training camp is about injury prevention, which is ironic because you also get injured. At least this is the way that um, coaches look at it is like we need to build up our bodies in a way that will allow them to sustain the rigors of a football season. And you don't do that by resting. You do it by pushing your body to the limit. It's the, what they believe in. I think to some degree it's believable or it's um it's justifiable. It makes sense. You want to test your body and push it past where it will have to go in the regular season. The problem with that is you can't strengthen ligaments. So while you are strengthening all your muscles, you're strengthening all the like secondary supporting muscles, you're doing all that, you're, you're challenging yourself mentally to be focused when you're incredibly tired. Like all that stuff I believe is real. And I think training camp has a value for that. But there's also something about the ligaments and joints that you can't really, you can strengthen the muscles around them. You can't strengthen them. There's only so many times you can put your body in uh, different difficult positions. And as you age, those things get more brittle. And the cut that I made, I remember clearly we're doing two minute drills, two minute drill at the end of the first day of practice. Two minute drill is where the offense tries. We give a scenario. The offense tries to score on the the starting defense in two minutes. I was covering Derek Mason in the slot and he ran an option route. And I was on the left side in the slot. He ran an option route uh, and he kind of ran out. And so Normally, like my timing and my footwork is such that I can plant off of my left foot and break that way. I planted off of my right foot, which is the inside foot, and it popped. It's something that I normally don't do, but I've done plenty of times. Like wrong footing a play is something you have to do in football, particularly when you're playing defensive back. You're going to have to do that sometimes. And this time it just popped. And and that's the point is like the more times you put yourself in that situation. And this is like the whole load management conversation in basketball. The more times you put yourself out there, the more chance, the more times you, or the more opportunity you give your body to fail in some way. And this was day one of training camp. So I can't blame the Ravens or Harbaugh or anybody for overworking us because that does happen too, where your body just gets tired and you don't have the, mental uh focus or the physical strength to protect yourself in the way that you normally would and something pops so i don't have that as excuse i just just like random and it's fluky we were on grass too because like you you hate being on turf because that just doesn't ever go well because it doesn't give the grass will give most of the time before your ligaments or i can't say most of the time but it does feel like grass will give before your ligaments do not mine that thing went pop bummer <laughs> you don't seem sad no i mean if that if that had never happened who knows i might just still be cutting video on some other show
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's go to football, international football, soccer. There's a couple stories in here that I think are interesting. So the Women's World Cup, I find it enjoyable. Yeah. But... I don't know that there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff to talk about just yet. Like we came up, uh, beat Vietnam by less than we expected. We'll see how they fare going forward. I do not plan on missing a game of that. It does seem like the field is a lot closer now. So it'll be uh, a competitive knockout round once we get past the group stage. Yeah. It felt, I mean, on all prior world cups, it felt like you could pick, uh, USA versus the field. Mm-hmm. It does not necessarily feel that way anymore. Um, like I would not be shocked if we are not the world champions based on how we played the in that first game. Um, that's not to say they aren't the best team. Yeah, I mean, if we aren't if we aren't this year, we will be in four years from now because the reason sure. why we would not win this year is just because we're lo- young, not because we're not super talented. Like the talent is still there. I think the talent differential feels like it's smaller, but it still seems still seems significant. It's just a little bit younger. It also just, it feels like we check in on the Women's World Cup with the World Cup and the Olympics in the following year. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the prior generation, the Megan Rapino, Rose, Rose Lavelle, I guess Rose Lavelle is much younger, but still right. on the upper end of this current roster. Those were like the creative on ball people with Lindsay Horan. And it felt like a noticeable hole that we didn't have like these incredibly creative upper midfielders who were creating slam dunk chances in the final third. Um, and, and again, we're comparing this obviously to when they beat Thailand, like 13 to nothing or whatever it was in the first, like four years ago. Yeah. I mean, the, the forwards, I think are the most interesting and exciting part. The, the young forwards like Sophie Smith and, uh, Alyssa Thompson, like those, when you see them out there, they look like they are, they just look special, which is, yeah. which is fun to see. All right. The Clinical other finish in that first goal. Yeah. The, the other, um, international football story is not messy to me it's mbappe this is the this is the most fascinating story in the show go ahead so he's being offered essentially him and psg in totality are being uh, offered what comes out to be a 1.1 billion dollar deal to go play uh soccer in saudi arabia for one year where psg would get a 300 plus million dollar transfer fee Mbappe would get 776 American dollars in salary for one season. And I believe it was something like uh, $13 million a week as his wages. Um, I might have that slightly off. And I find this fascinating because 
last time we, I mean, the Mbappe transfer uh, debate has been going on for several several years. He wants to play for Real Madrid. He has for a while. PSG wanted to keep him, and he was playing, you know, with Messi and Neymar. Um, but this protracted negotiation has become a stalemate, and now he is being offered. This is the guy who we saw go toe to toe with yeah. Messi in what we thought was going to be a defining moment of who is maybe the best soccer player of all time. And, and now, like less than a year later, there is a question of, is he going to take a year off of playing yeah. the highest level of international football imaginable to basically what would amount to $776 million in his bank account to play for a year in Saudi Arabia? Uh, yeah, they went toe-to-toe in the World Cup. Um, Mbappe is the French forward and Messi, obviously, from Argentina. Um <sighs> So this is a bunch of different interesting questions to me. It's yeah. like, whose perspective do you want to take first? It's like, uh, Mbappe, should he want to do it? Does he want to do it? What's the point in doing it? Are all interesting to me. The other side is like Saudi Arabia. I guess money just doesn't matter because I don't get it. I don't get why they would want to bring him over for one year other than the fact that I mean, money ain't a thing to them. And why not bring the best player over in the world? Because I don't think that their goal is to is to like steal the Premier League. It's like they don't want to be the the top soccer uh, league in the world. I don't imagine that they it just feels like they want their 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 uh, like their hand in every major sport. And that translates to making them be a more, I guess, palatable country to common folk, like this whole sports washing argument. Yeah, I don't, I don't totally get it. I mean, if it's certainly a market disruption yeah. and I, I hate when that becomes a cliche term for everything, but this is a genuine market yeah. disruption. The fact that, you know, we thought that no one was going to be able to outbid the big premier league teams or the big La Liga teams. And this guy was, scheduled to be a Galactico signing for Real Madrid for literally the last decade, last half decade. Since we first heard about him in the World Cup, in his first World Cup five years ago, this was the expectation. And to me, it just, it, I guess it would, it's interesting if it changes the calculus of how these teams operate. Um, because if you want to talk about how to get, I mean, this guy's already making 72 million euros per year currently. So his salary is already outrageously high and probably commensurate with his skill, but another market where the top players can get money so much higher than what they're getting in the Premier League or La Liga or in Syria. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's commensurate with his skill, but is it commensurate with his value? And his value is yeah. different for different places. And I assume that... And that's the hard part about estimating his value is like if they're going to pay this, then for whatever reason, they think he is that valuable to them. And so there's like... uh a gallon of gasoline is worth five dollars to to me because I have a car. But someone who rides their bike everywhere, a gallon of gasoline is worth absolutely nothing to them. So, like, I use that to say that, yeah, I could understand an argument saying that Mbappe is actually worth this to them. But I don't know why. Like, I, I guess I don't know the points. What's the end game? And it's it just either. it's just like we because it, if they were looking to get all of the best talent. And or maybe it's just their idea of, yeah, I guess it's a long-term play. The only thing that makes sense to me is that they do want to eventually own the top levels of, of soccer. And by doing this, this becomes something that is, by doing it this one time, it then becomes something that is not frowned upon because 
rather than waiting till the end of your career to collect on your diminishing value, which is what normally these type of players do, like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is over there now doing it. Messi is here doing it. That's what you normally do. Why not take a mid-career intermission where you can actually capitalize on your full value? Like I, I get the financial argument for it, but from Mbappe's standpoint, and this is where it gets interesting, when it's other people's money, it's easy to say no. Yeah. But then when it's yours, but my view is like, I don't get why Mbappe would want to do this because like money ain't a problem for him. Like it's also just like I don't want to take the stakes away from all, from his career completely and just make it purely financial. Taking a year off and essentially being a Harlem Globetrotter and playing against this inferior competition when you are I don't know, along with Messi and Holland, one of the three best players in the world, just seems like anti-competitive and sort of lame and not what I would want to do when you already are like the guy and you're already so well paid. But again, it's not my money. And $726 million is outrageous to turn down. Outrageous. Yeah. I mean, I I, I come back. I'm not even the anti-competitive stuff. Like if you wanted to take a year off, like Jordan took a couple years off, that's fine. Like if you want to take a year off and do something like low stakes competitive, that is not what... Damn, that, you just called Jordan not competitive. I mean, hey, I'm just saying he took a couple years off or a year <laughs> so and a half, that right? So personally, <laughs> that he would. Um, I mean, he sold his basketball team, so he obviously quit there too. So that's it. Newsflash: Michael Jordan not that competitive. Um, that I, I guess so. I would understand it if if there was a financial need. And again, we keep saying it's not our money, but. When you get to a certain like financial position, your life change what's how your life is gonna change is gonna be minuscule. So like arguing to so like I, I completely get it. If you make five million dollars a year, you get an opportunity to make fifty in one year, you go do it. And I guess the it will be similar as far as the jump in amount of money going into Mbappe's po- pocket, but I guess it's just bigger yacht. I don't know. It feels weird to even be talking about this. Yeah. It feels unlikely that it's going to happen, but it does feel like at some point huh. somebody's going to. I think it feels. I think it feels likely. You think it's likely? I maybe, and I could be wrong by the time this podcast comes out. Right. But yeah, it just feels I mean, like such an overwhelming figure, and it feels like this are these are people who were wanted the Super League to happen, and this would be a genuine first step to creating a league that's the most powerful international sports league in the world in theory and you said they have 300 going to real i think it's 336 yeah that, or 334 and that. I, I don't have it off the top of my head but in that in that uh, it would be going to psg and then oh, after PSG, this right. year he's going to since real. it's a one-year contract uh mbappe would be able to go to real madrid with zero transfer fee he'd just be able to sign outright which will be another Huge lump sum. All right. I guess there's nothing to talk about because it hasn't happened, but it's an interesting thing to present. Uh, I don't know what the next step is. Uh, I don't want to play football for uh, Saudi Arabia, but I kind of wish more people played football so football players <laughs> could participate in, in these sort of things. This could happen in basketball. I mean, in theory, this could happen yeah. in basketball. Yeah. There's five guys on a court and there are what we think of 12 guys who legitimately changed the outcome of NBA seasons. Yeah. You poach those players and set up something different. I, as as icky as it might feel, as tough as it might be to watch, like 
if you're telling me LeBron and Curry and Doncic and Jokic are playing in a different league, but it's airing and I can view it, like that's probably something that people would be interested in. It just, who knows? Absolutely. And being under contract for an NBA team is not going to stop you. Uh, I think they put a clause in the contract in collaboration with the European teams in that you can't, uh, they kind of, the European teams and the, and the NBA kind of colluded to reduce some of the leverage of the NBA players. If there was some other league then they could just walk away from the contracts and make it happen. But I was going to say it's, that seems like it's unlikely also, but what's stopping them from doing it? All of this stuff seemed so improbable a year ago. And now my concept of what can be disrupted in professional sports contracts is it seems infinite. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right. Roses and Thorns. Time for, well, Charlie is one of my favorite people. We'll, <laughs> we'll give this Roses and Thorns with just us a shot. We'll see how it works. If it doesn't work, then Christina can edit it out. All right. Charlie, what is the thorn that Carrie would point to most in your relationship. So Carrie to, to the audience is my fiance. She is smarter than me, nicer than me, overall more impressive person than me. Um, she works in early education policy. She has a background in developmental psychology. She's an overall good person. Um, but one of her love languages is acts of service. She works really hard. She probably works 60 hours a week where we don't. And, <laughs> You know, sometimes I get a little comfortable. Sometimes I don't don't clean the car. I got two dogs. Don't clean the backseat of the car after we go to the park. Sometimes I wait a day before I fold my clean laundry. Um, those are major, major thorns what I, that have been popping up recently. What I do, what I have gathered about you is you don't like upsetting people. So I I hate being in the doghouse. <laughs> I'm like, it drives me nuts. So you just the silent treatment and is gonna you're gonna crumble every time. She knows that like even like slightly pushing me into the doghouse, I'll do whatever to get out of it. <laughs> All right, so let's end on a positive note. Your biggest rose. What is the thing that you do that can we share it? Is it like too? Graphic? Yeah, planning her. It's her birthday's on Thursday. I'm planning her like a, a birthday party pizza party getting getting pizza and wine and ice cream from her favorite restaurant inviting over friends and like i think she's gonna be really happy about that because she's not like carrie hates attention she hates being in the center of attention but like a small party with her friends with all of her favorite things it'll be great and we're seeing barbie on saturday so it's a it's a full full carrie weekend uh uh, um significant other who hates attention that sounds interesting wonder what that (laughs) what would that be like you should ask ashley (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as I have a show named after me. Can I give a can I give a rose to Dominique Foxworth that as as my work wife? Oh, what's that? How come I got to be this well, is, okay, I guess that's fine. This is you you've why been my work wife now for why two and a half years. Why can't we just both you've be my work husband? Yeah, can't we both just be work husbands? Yeah, but isn't that the term work wife? I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I was just secretly misogynistic. Anyway, when I first started working with Dominique, he was the worst texter in the world. He would either ignore you or he'd say K or he'd say no. And you didn't know if he was living with you, if he was happy, what it all meant. Over the last two years, my guy's proactive. <laughs> he sends full sentences. He calls you to check in. He's like, I, I had a stressful morning. And he's like, are you okay? How's everything going? He's sending. And I was like, my, my God, is this a caring, great friend? <laughs> I've always been caring, just not over I text. know. 
I just I don't I know, good with the text. I'm I'm late. I'm a late adopter. All this technology stuff. Anyway, but like clarity makes you feel good, and I, there's a lot of clarity in my heart that that Dominique cares. All right, good to know. I'm glad that I have improved as uh, a partner for you. And I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of something I can compliment you on, but I mean. Eh. You're the same. That's a legitimate compliment. I don't even think I made you uncomfortable with no, that you didn't. one because it's just, it's true. I worked very hard at improving my text communication. Now I need to do better at like actually improving my scheduling because mm. I'll, I'll send you four texts in one day with different times on all of them. So we're, uh, the Dominique Foxworth show is going to be the most organized podcast period starting this fall. As soon as we can Feel hire somebody to organize it for me, you want to step up? I'm tell Carrie that you're not working hard enough. Honestly, if you do that, she'll just take your side and doghouse me immediately. So that's your, that might be your best bet. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you showing up. Um, I appreciate Christina Buswell, Adi Khan, Sarah Abbott, and obviously Podville for this wonderful studio. See y'all next time. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.